Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, 1.2 billion people live in India, and women work everywhere from big offices to call centers to other people's homes. The people who work for me and my child actually have babysitters of their own because she today can work in my house only because she has somebody who will go and get her child back from school. So I think it works at different levels in India. My guest wants to empower more women in India, but she wouldn't say she's one of the sisterhood. An extreme sense of feminism is possibly hurting more women than helping them. I mean, I'm an observer of that debate because I don't call myself a feminist. Coming up, we look at how women are faring in the world's biggest democracy. India has the next largest population on Earth after China. But in China, around 65% of women are in the workforce. In India, it's closer to 30%. And that number has dropped during the last decade. There are lots of reasons for that. A woman's place is still considered to be firmly in the home. And it's not just children who pull women out of the workforce. The Centre for Talent Innovation did a survey of educated Indian women a few years ago. 80% of those who quit work said they did so to look after parents or in-laws. There are safety issues for women just getting to and from work in India. And companies aren't exactly radiating support for women either. That said, I've read a couple of pieces of research this week, and they both say young Indian women are more ambitious than their American counterparts. They just get stymied faster on their way up the career ladder. Shaley Chopra wants to change the odds of women's success. She's a journalist, author and media entrepreneur. She lives in Mumbai and she's married with a baby son. Recently, she did something a bit like me. She struck out on her own to found a media company largely for women. It's called She the People. Shaley grew up actively studying how to project herself. She did a lot of debating at school and she took elocution lessons. But what fascinated me was how women on television read news. She knew she wanted to be on TV, and she made it. She studied economics, and she got into business journalism at a time when it was just taking off in India. Her first job was at CNBC. She became a well-known anchor. As usual, I wanted to know about her upbringing. She says her dad was a big influence. He grew up in a family where it was expected he'd go into the family business. In India, there is a lot of pressure to do what your family wants and expects of you. But at the age of five, he announced he wasn't interested and he stuck to his guns. He wanted to become an Air Force pilot and he did. Now, having had a father who decided to change his own destiny and then and go with every thought that he had for his ambition, I think that made it easier for me, born in a family with two girls. I have a younger sister. At a time in the 80s when most people would tell their children what they should be. 
She says her father didn't tell them what they should do. He introduced them to all sorts of things when they were young. He taught them chess. They were quite competitive at that. And he took them around factories so they could see how things were made. That was one of their weekend activities. They had a different experience than a lot of other girls. We grew up with people who had parents who were very clear that the daughter would have to get married by 1921 or whatever. So often enough, we would come back and have a dining room discussion, like in most families, is what we saw today is not how things will be in our home. So there was that learning by watching what others were up to. And I think that strengthened us as people because India is not a very safe place for women in general. But when we grew up, we grew up with a sense of free-spiritedness that allowed us to be possibly more perceptive as human beings as we don't see all the time around us. Hmm. I'm curious, did your mother feel the same way? That's a very good question. So my mother stepped out of her house for the first time when she was 21, and that's when she got married. She was the most educated of all her siblings, and when she got married, that's possibly the first time she even got exposed to cheese, pasta, how to dance, how you can dance with a man who's not your husband. It's absolutely okay to be at a party and socialize and enjoy a drink. These were not things that my mother grew up with. So naturally, when she raised us, she was possibly going back to her childhood and wondering whether what she was doing was all right and what my parents were doing together were all right or was what she grew up with was that a better way of growing. When women were highly protected within the family and that high level of protection was, I would possibly say, more like being possessive about your daughters by not letting them get out and even breathe what they were up to. So there was a big difference in what she was seeing. And I think at every stage of, you know, once one got out of the house and started working, we would think back and appreciate the number of changes that she took on herself and how quickly. Because once we were born, she had two daughters. And, you know, these were times when India was changing. Things about women were changing. There was discussion, open discussion about uh, sex education in the country. There was, you know, I mean, it still remains quite um, quite a small group of people who would discuss this. But we happened to be in, in that small percentage where we would be exposed to this kind of conversation. I think there were definitely times when she felt that we would need to be more traditional than we really turned out to be. My sister and I both love debate, so we would not take any statement, you know, lying down. We would probably want to question it. And that kind of freedom still isn't the norm for women. Even today, I think there are thousands and millions of women in India who can't speak their mind, um, and they can't, which is possibly why we're still having a debate on marital rape to be a law or not. So, you know, there are, there are all kinds of things that came about. But, yeah, I would say that my mother probably was growing herself as she was growing us. So interesting. And I want to ask you more about women in India in a minute. But first of all, let's talk about She the People, because tell me how how you came to start that. Actually, I wanted to do shethepeople.tv for one simple reason. There are very few women role models in India. And those that are, are possibly on every single list that exists, both in India and globally. I think India completely lacks the notion of celebrating women who have grown and done 
successful things. And it doesn't have to be setting up a company or being a CEO. It could well be just producing great, fantastic pottery, somebody just singing brilliantly. Uh, there hasn't been enough attention to stories beyond those who are either in a million-dollar bracket or those who have done blockbuster movies. She says there are tons of women doing interesting things, lawyers, comedians, slum workers, but she doesn't think many people have heard those stories. I mean, you possibly heard a few stories about India, starting from the December 12 rape case to the the fact that the rape documentary was uh, not aired in India and had to be launched on YouTube. That rape case she's talking about made world news two and a half years ago. A young woman was gang-raped in Delhi when she and her boyfriend got on the wrong bus. She died of her injuries. A few months ago, the BBC made a film about that rape. India banned it from its airwaves. Shaley feels stories coming out of her country are at one of two extremes, terrible or wonderful. But we do have a very strong middle, and we need to celebrate that middle because that's what sustains the country. And I think that's why we wanted to start She the People, to say there are more role models, look around, and if you are still stuck, just find out what these women did when they were stuck, and then move forward. And being stuck is a problem for Indian women. I read an article in Quartz recently called Six Ways to Stop the Female Brain Drain at Indian Companies. It turns out almost half of Indian women drop out of corporate life between junior and mid-levels. Among the reasons cited in the piece? Pressure for women to put family first, lack of mentors and lack of support from organisations. And so it was a really interesting piece about some of the attitudes that women are up against. And um, I just I, I wondered what your experience was of that. I mean, you're you're only you're in your early 30s, right? Right. And what about your friends? I mean, have you seen this in your own life and in your business reporting? So let me put it this way. Let, let me start from a, a different point from uh, not so much from the brain drain aspect. But let me start from the fact that You know, everybody in India, all women in India have to face some discrimination, no matter where they are, what sector they work in, which company they are with. Now, the question is, do they face this discrimination from the men around them or from the women around them or both? That's a whole different debate. But I can tell you, having grown in media, there have been certain organizations that I grew in where the idea of women leaders was almost dead. They didn't even think that women could reach managerial positions. And that had a lot to do with the kind of men they chose to put there. And that remains the problem of most organizations because women and you know women face this one universal problem, which is that men mostly cannot deal with women around them. Uh, they, they find it hard to either find somebody who's more efficient or smarter than them. It, it's that whole ego issue. Then there is that whole aspect of if there is a women, woman leader, how will these men deal with it? May as well not make her the uh, leader because then, you know, these guys will not be able to take instructions from her and then this whole organization will have a challenge. She says women also have to ask for their promotions and often they're not granted. She says until quite recently, a woman at work risked ridicule just for speaking up in meetings. Luckily, that's changed in the last five to seven years because women can just open their mouth and say, look, I can take you to court about this statement. And that's beginning to happen. But I think essentially the problem with most organizations is that they don't stop thinking of women as those who come with a liability baggage. The minute they start shedding that, 
they will start realizing how fantastic it is to have women. I mean, I worked with one organization where 75% of the uh, organization were made up of women. That organization till today remains one of the best organizations in India for women in media. That's because they understand women. They know that when they're going to give you 200% in the first six months, and if they can't give you 200% in the next six months because they're ill or they're pregnant or something else happened, they'll understand. So this is something that India is really grappling with in a big way still. This episode of The Broad Experience is sponsored by Doodle. You know how frustrating and time-consuming it can be to try and schedule a meeting with a group of people? Doodle is an online scheduling tool that takes the hassle out of arranging meetings. Registration isn't required, so it's simple to get started. All you have to do is get the participants to select possible dates and times. With a quick look, you'll see everyone's availability and you can make a final decision that satisfies the entire group. The basic scheduling service is free and they also offer a free personal scheduling profile called Meet Me. You can get started by visiting doodle.com and also be sure to check out their iPhone and Android apps. I wanted to talk to Shaley about women and caste. India's social caste system doesn't determine quite as much about your life as it used to. Shaley says in cities, it's really not a big deal anymore. She says in the white-collar world, you get by on merit, not on your official station in life. But I think this whole caste factor may still be true for some part of blue-collar jobs in India. And they, they possibly still exist you know, in different degrees of severity depending on north or south. Uh, because in different parts of India, there's a very different approach towards uh, what your second name is or what your surname resonates as the caste that you belong to. So I think from an urban India point of view, we can safely say that's behind us. Because I would have thought, and I, and I had read that it was much more prevalent in rural areas, but I just wonder if you're if you come from a low caste, are you even going to get the education that would get you that you know more professional job? You know, I don't remember who said this, but I heard this on a public discourse once that in India your fate is somewhat sealed on the day you're born and in the household that you're born. And I think that probably somewhat speaks about what you're referring to, which is that you are born in a certain caste and you're born in a certain household and a certain income level. Now, opportunities for those people do remain very, very few. Uh, And that is something that a country like India needs to work upon because it's something that is um, the majority of the country. A third of Indian women are illiterate, and many women work in the unorganised sector. A lot of them do domestic work. That work isn't counted in official government figures. She says these workers and their families have stayed at the same level in society for generations. That's it. I see that changing because when I see that I have a house help who's saying that my children will not do this, what I'm doing, so I'm not going to go and cook at homes. I'm going to have children who are going to uh, go out there and at least hope to be a scientist or do something like that. So I think there are different kinds of um, people who are who are finding that as they have moved from rural to urban India, as they have got some opportunities, that they are changing their aspirations. But no doubt that if people 
I would say if they're born in families that are economically backward, there is a huge factor that plays there, uh, that there are opportunities that may not be available for them. And, and I'll say this from two aspects. One is that, you know, in India, we are in such huge numbers that, and I don't say that proudly or with disdain, but the bottom line is that when you are with such large numbers, you know that every single job, every single opportunity has hundreds or thousands of people competing for that one place. When that happens, you are going to find a large number of people falling off that radar with despair and disappointment. And that's what then leads people to get into that trap because they unfortunately cannot either match the skill of the of the job required or match the money it takes to pay for that job. The money it takes to pay for that job. India has a lot of corruption. And yes, she says people who can afford to sometimes pay to get hired, particularly in the public sector. I mean, you would see uh, newspapers rampant with uh, headlines every month that people are paying for government jobs in the country. And people pay for government jobs because they're permanent, because they come with medical facilities, they come with other facilities. So we we do live in that kind of a space. Um, and India, that's why it has this multicultural, multi-fabric to itself, because people who live in, um, in, a, in parts of urban India are living probably as good a quality of life as New Yorkers. And there are people who are living uh, lives uh, which can put even Indians uh, to depression, because you don't know that people are still scavenging in this country. There's so much poverty, it's hard to fathom. But the sheer numbers of people Shaley mentioned, people who need jobs, that means a lot of middle-class families in cities can afford domestic help, particularly childcare, that parents in New York or London would kill for. I think there's no doubt about that, uh, that there are more options in India. But I also think that, you know, most people who look for those options are not necessarily rich and urban. And I'll tell you, the people who work for me and my child actually have babysitters of their own because she today can work in my house only because she has somebody who will go and get her child back from school. So she is in turn paying somebody a sliver of her salary because she wants to work. So I think it works at different levels in India. My babysitter actually has babysitters of her own because she can work only if she has a babysitter. And while I agree that India does give that opportunity, I also think sometimes it's held against India that we have this help. But I see this everywhere. I just came back from Hong Kong. Having a support in Hong Kong is absolutely normal. The number of people, I mean, I think Hong Kong's economy would possibly shrink or collapse if they didn't have the support that they do, just like Dubai does. Now, Dubai has the same kind of opportunity as India does. So I think from a, uh, from a in-principle level, I think it's absolutely fine to have help if, uh, if you are treating them well and paying them what, uh, what is the good standard in, in the region. Now, where I think we do uh, have to change as a society is that we, we need to realize that we need to start getting some systems and structures in place for people who work, particularly women who work in the unorganized sector. 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, most of the people interviewed on Shaley's site, She the People, they're strong advocates for women at all levels, and women's rights are getting more attention in India today. A lot of that's related to the highly publicised rapes in the country and the sexual molestation women encounter far too often. But Shaley says this debate on men and women, it's a sensitive one, and it can easily stray into accusations. If you say anything that might be obliquely anti-women, not because you want to be anti-women, but you have a point that says we need to be balanced on the matter, people will say, no, you're anti-women. And they'll brush you with the same brush all through. And I think that kind of, it's kind of, you know, I would say convoluted discussion is, is not really helping most women in India, if you know what I mean. So, you know, an extreme sense of feminism is possibly hurting more women than helping them, is, is what appears to be happening. I mean, I'm an observer of that debate because I don't call myself a feminist. But now, that's so interesting. Now, why don't you call yourself a feminist? Because uh, as uh, somebody was suggesting uh, the other day that uh, it's an extreme definition and I am yet to find a definition of feminism that makes it seem like it it's balanced and I, I am a balanced person I believe in equality I, I and I believe in gender balance today I don't see why people should not pay attention to uh, parenthood requirements of a father why are we only talking about pregnancy leave so I am pro-women but I'm not blindly pro-women I, I'm, I, I believe that one has to look at all aspects. Women are humans just as much men are and they can well fall in the traps of ego, emotions and so on. So I support women. I, I'm absolutely doggedly working towards um, the need to highlight the good work done by women so that they can be in more prominence and they can inspire another woman around them. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to slot myself as somebody who is anti-men as feminists in India see themselves. I was going to say, because when you look up the word, the definition is just someone who believes in equality between the sexes. There's no definition that says, you know, feminists are anti-men. But unfortunately, that seems to be the connotation that the word has taken on over the decades. Now, if you define it the way you are, I'm definitely a feminist. But if, if somebody comes up with a definition of their own and I, I, I kind of feel that, you know, it's about standing in marches and being absolutely anti anything else. I, I'm a bit skeptical of all of that. I also feel that, you know, I, I'm a big believer of using um, conversation to take it forward rather than uh, being confrontationalist. So I think my my understanding of the world around me is more like if you can find a constructive discussion, take it forward rather than not. Shaley Chopra is encouraging discussion at shethepeople.tv. I'm posting one of the latest video interviews from the site under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. And I wonder how many of you feel the same way about the word feminist. I'd love to get a debate going about that on the Broad Experience Facebook page, so head over there to take part. I will start it off. And don't forget to check out my sponsor for this show. Head to doodle.com to start making scheduling easier. And finally, thank you so much to my intern of the past year, April Leslie. She's moving on. April's been so helpful in doing research for the show, logging interview tape, giving me ideas. And of course, she starred in the episode on women in their 20s. 
If you work in public media in the US and you're looking for a great reporter or producer, let me know. I'd love to connect you with April. That's the broad experience for this time. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmagle.